Welcome to the Trending Note Podcast. I am your host, Michael Jackson. We have a little different guest this week um, in the way of this man is a motivational speaker. He works with youth and health services. He's an entrepreneur, uh, tattoo artist, and body modification um, specialist as well, uh, cigar aficionado, and author of the book Inspiration on Demand. Um, he's coming from us, coming to us from the lovely country of Nicaragua today, uh, where he yes, currently sir. lives. Please welcome Joshua Coburn. Thank you so much. Honored to be here, man. Thank you, dude. So good to have you. Um, let's, you know, since you and I have recently met, let's kind of, you know, for my my education and also listener wise, what what brought you to from tattooing to being an author to being an entrepreneur to being motivational coach and, and life coach in that yeah. department. Cause I think a lot of people kind of go, Oh, he's a fucking life coach. You know, they get this example from like Tony Robbins or like, you know, yeah. Jim, Jim Rohn. And I think your spin's a little bit different looking, sure. you know, at reading some of the articles you've written and stuff like that. And what kind of brought you to like a life of service like that? Well, I mean, I, I believe that kind of giving without expectation breeds purpose, right? And I actually right. think yesterday, maybe the day before, I actually posted something about that. But sure did. what's um, what's important about it is is number one, yeah, I'm not a fucking tattooed Tony Robbins. I'm not Jim Rohn, though. Of all the motivational speakers out there, Jim Rohn is the king, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. The early stuff, the, the yeah. pre, uh, uh, marketing stuff. Yep. But, uh, you know, honestly, the reason I'm different and really, uh, and, and I guess it'll come out a little bit in the story, but the reason I'm different is because I never got off on those guys. I don't read self-help books. Really. I'm not that guy. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not even a motivational speaker. Fact is I'm not even an author. I'm just a dude who writes shit down between, you know, layers of paper so other people can have access to it and be better. And I go just tell stories and thankfully people put a mic in my hand so I can tell it to a lot of people and they can be like, bro, I totally relate. So I'm never the guy that's like, I got a 90 step plan in the back for $150. Go buy it. I'm not that guy. I just, I'm not... I've never been in it for that. Sure. So the story really begins as a kid, small town kid. You know, I was busy, you know, doing the typical thing, going out, riding bikes, hanging out with my buddies and all that. But um, when my parents got a divorce, I kind of had an anger in me that I didn't understand. I didn't talk about, shoved it down and isolated myself. And then I started reading and listening to music. So I'm, reading National Geographic and Metal Edge and Rip Magazine, right? <laughs> and, uh, and some like hardcore fanzines and stuff, and then listening to music. So my motivational speakers came in the form of the VHS trading that I was doing, you know, through uh, those really thick extra photocopy fanzine things. Um, it was coming from, you know, footage of, Philip Anselmo from Pantera on stage in 1994 talking about, you know, if you're not out there kicking ass and, and, you know, giving all you got, then you're a piece of shit. You're nothing. Or Henry Rollins, you know, in 1984. Yeah, one of my favorites. 
Yeah. I mean, just, one of my favorites. Those are those were the guys, or even you know, uh, like like your Nikki Sixes, where yeah. you know, as manufactured as those speeches kind of were, it still was like f the world, do it your way. Yeah. And I identified with that. And you notice like how they all come from like the punk rock style of doing things, the DIY, the, which, you know, is now the normal entrepreneur is what we throw a fucking label on it now. But like back then, like, you know, going from show to show or like going to record stores and going, Hey, would you sell my CD? Mm -hmm. I I have one guy on here, this guy, Edgel Groves, they used to, his band, Sun Domingo used to go on match and fucking get fans that way whatever wow. time they were going to like hustled it and then they were honest about it, like look i'm not looking for a relationship this is our band come out and see them and that's how they built their one of the ways they built their fan base that's super cool that's you super know? cool man whatever it takes dude that's how yeah. it is all day but, long uh, all day long yeah i mean for me that's that's where my inspiration lie in terms of like doing it you know yeah. so but uh, that kind of com- combination of like music and and um kind of uh travel and national geographic and seeing things like body modification scarification tattooing and this was you know in the late 80s when you started to see like la guns and motley crew getting like heavy heavy like the suit yeah exactly And, and you didn't see that prior and i'm relating that to what i'm seeing in national geographic and then you know i i'm not I, I grew up in a town of 1300 people. Like for me saying that I want to go to Russia or New York, that to, to people that I would talk to would be mm. like saying, I'm going to go to the moon. Yeah. It's like they didn't get it. So I couldn't relate. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah. I, that's where know, the struggle started. Yeah. I come from outside the New York city area. And I can tell you, even at that going to California was like a big deal. Like moving to yeah. LA was a big deal. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're like troubadour, bro, blazing the trail west. Like, what's the right. deal? Like, but best decision of my life. I also look back at those situations. I don't know if you have a similar experience with this, but like you look at those people who either said no to it, stayed there, and did what they did. And there's nothing wrong with with staying in your hometown. But I think that right. At day's end, if you crave or you want something more, uncomfortability is a huge factor in, in, in establishing growth for yourself, correct? Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And, and I had huge, huge hurdles to overcome at that time, too, because you know I started working in, in the body modification world. I actually never did tattooing. I did scarification. Okay. I did suspensions. I did you know the heavy stuff, implants, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, of course that's very fringe and it took me around the world too later, but I was pre that I was getting heavily tattooed, but I was continuing to isolate myself because of course I thought I was making myself better, you know, looking the way I want and stuff. But in a small town, I'm, I'm pushed away from everybody. It's it's considered almost antisocial in a lot of ways. Yeah, by the the norm, it's considered antisocial, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, this is early, uh, or excuse me, mid to late nineties now. Mm. So, you know, that still wasn't every NBA player with a, with a sleeve, you know, that wasn't happening yet. So it was was still, it was still for pirates and, and, and sailors. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I love that. I still actually love that. That's why I love that my hands, neck and face are tattooed, you know, in my head, because it's like, you can be all tattooed if you want, but if you're, if you're not tattooing your face or your head, man, I mean, that's still like, the that's, next the, that's, step, that's the know? commitment. Right. Right. <laughs> like you can't put on a suit and cover this shit up. Right. Right. <laughs> No, no but, high knee socks or anything. If he was like, Oh, yeah. I'll get, I'll get it. I'll get on my lower back. My family will never see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was. I mean, I was 19 when I got the dots on my forehead. So like I was fucked from the beginning. I knew that once I kind of got over my issues, cause I hit bottom. Um, was I 19? No, I was 20. Um, I hit bottom in 2001, September 5th, 2001. I hit absolute bottom. What a week. And then of course, we know what happened a yeah. few days later. Um, but September 5th, I hit bottom and was like, I'm, I'm done. I got off work. I wrote a, a note to my family. I was going to check out. And it was because I allowed the world's judgments. I listened. I believed what they were saying. And I reinforced that internally while I worked and did other things that weren't good for me. And um, that day when I hit bottom, my anxiety at that time. And I don't know if you've ever struggled with anxiety or your listeners. Oh, I'll, but, I'll, I'll put myself center fucking stage. I've had anxiety disorder since I was a little kid. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, and see, and I, 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 I have my own, I have my own story, how I combated it as an adult, but, uh, but, interesting. but, but back to you, uh, we'll get to that one in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my anxiety was like, screaming at me and you know how it is it's like it, i remember i couldn't even go to the grocery store because mm. like fuck i'm out of milk i can't have my goddamn fruity pebbles and you'd go to go and your mind would be like don't fucking go because x and x and x and all these reasons and and um so i wouldn't you know and and i was just over it so the same thing weirdly happened after i got done writing the note it was like no right now in my head my anxiety it's like right now you go to bed. That's your safety net. You, you go in this routine and you're safe and you're good. So go to bed. You can kill yourself tomorrow. You can do it when you wake up. Now is when you do it. Uh, so I went to bed and the fucked up thing was when I woke up, you know, four hours later or whatever, I remember it's still dark. I sat up and put, put my feet down on this. I lived in a small shitty apartment. It was still right. like 1976, you know? Sure. And, uh, and I remember putting my feet on that shag carpeting and thinking that I felt like lighter and different and, and weird. And I realized right then that I did something hours before that I had never done. I stopped shoving all that shit down in me and I wrote it out. I spilled my guts to something, to the world, into the ether, whatever. It could have been to you. It could have been to anyone, but I had never done that. And then I realized, well, fuck, these people are judging me and talking shit at my worst. Like, why do I care? I mean, they can't push me lower. So if I'm one step, 10 step, a thousand steps better, then why the fuck am I worried about what they're saying? Because any form of progress is progress. And again, this is a 19, 20 year old mind processing this for the first time. As a 40-year-old man, looking back, I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, bro. How did you not see that? Like, who gives a shit? But, you yeah, know, it's, there's a it's lot interesting of when you hit 40. It's interesting you say that because I had the similar 
epiphany in the sense that, you know, who gives a fuck? Oh yeah. Like, like truly who gives a fuck what you, what, what anyone thinks. Yeah. Like I find like, you know, we're going to get that deep in this episode, which I think we are. So if we're, <laughs> we're what it is, what it is, man. Uh, you know, for me, it's like, I feel like to, to go back to your point of like, I worked in a, a financial, I work in the financial services industry. I serve the music community. That's all I will. Right. And I only take referrals from that community. Awesome. Because it's so underserved. I don't want to sit with families that go to church every Sunday and, you know, dad works a normal job with a 401k. I want to take the toughest cases and I want to turn them around. Yeah, that's and that, awesome. And that's where I lie from my touring background, from my engineering background, all that stuff is, you know, in my previous life. But the thing is, is that like I would watch these people in my financial services group, like bury themselves in these fucking books, like Tony yeah. Robbins and never change a fucking thing. Not a one. Yep. You know, or like religion yeah. or whatever it is. And they would care so much about what everyone else thought if they were doing good things. And, they, and the thing is, they were just totally fucking missing the point. So my, my yeah. thing is, is like, who gives a fuck what anyone thinks? Yeah. Like, my lane's my lane. If you want to ride with me, great. Show up. If you don't, I'm going to still be doing what I'm doing, whether you're here or not. Yep. 100%. 100%. And, the thing, and, and I, yeah, go ahead. I, I hardline that oh. for years, you know, and, and I'll tell you, like, I, I'm a guy that has lived a thousand lives in my 40 years. Right. Right. And like, I don't have, I mean, I got to make new dreams, you know, <laughs> like, dude, I mean, crazy how, how that is. is. Right. Like, yeah. It, like it's insane. Like I've gone to that situation too, going back to my, you know, my, my financial services group. It's like selling the dream to everybody, selling the dream, selling the dream. It's like, they're like, there would be people who would be like, well, I go to the same golf club as Tom Brady. It's like, who gives a fuck? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, what it was showing me was like, people would, 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 would like pigeonhole people because they had money and they had made it. And that's great. But now you have right. to buy Level. What I found because most of my friends were of some celebrity in that in that realm, I never had to buy my way into the show. Right. Right. You yeah. Couldn't sell me that you couldn't sell me that dream. And it was very yeah. hard for me at one point to very much like be focused. And now it's like much easier because I, I take the time to do it. But mm -hmm. it was very hard to say, oh, well, you could have this. I'm like, dude, I've done all that shit already. Like, yeah, exactly. Like you can't exactly. impress me with it. Yeah. And, I, and it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a really strange place to be, right. you know, to get into that, yeah. but going back a little bit in our conversation, you know, I had to, at that time, you know, 20 or whatever, really decide like, okay, these are my clear cut goals. These are the mountains I'm climbing and either you're with me or you're not. And I'm here to pull you up. And when I need you, your hand better be there to, pull, you know, pull me up too. If not, I'm fucking kicking your ass down and I'm walking all over you the rest of the way up this mountain yep. because I need a good environment around me to kick ass. And if I don't have it, you're fucked, you're gone. And, 100%. and you know, yeah, there's casualties in kicking ass. And that's something that I think a lot of people fail to talk about. And it's yeah. a huge deal. It's huge. Every one of your 
um, clients, I'm sure could have the conversation about, yeah, you know what? I, my family, my best friend, my buddy, Jeff, who I love to death, man, I had to cut them loose because they didn't see the vision. They didn't believe in the dream. They didn't whatever. And then you get there and suddenly they come crawling back and you're like, bro, I'm sorry. I love you. But until you're here, it ain't happening. I went through that experience this year with somebody and you know, for almost a year, I tried to get him to eat, eat at the same table I was sitting at. Right. He wouldn't even pick up the napkin to put it on his lap. Man, that sucks. You know, that sucks. And you want to see the boys from around the way and your friends from around the way do well. But if yep. they don't, if they're not ready for what that is, or they don't, back to your point, like having a routine to basically feel safe. Use it as yeah. a defense mechanism versus using it as something to make you better. It just, yeah. it really is. It's scary how people will do that at times. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we talked about it earlier, those kids, you know, back in, you know, the small town I grew up in, you know, they got a job working with their dad doing whatever their dad passes away. They're still doing the job. They're still going to the same bar. They're sitting now in the same stool their dad sat in. You know, they got six kids at home. They got a massive mortgage and an, an RV they don't use. And you know what? If they're happy, if that's what they want, fucking high five, love your wife and live it, man. But yep. if if you're going to that bar and drowning your sorrows, holy fuck, dude. All it takes is a couple of choices and everything's different. And I think, you know, but casualties, right? The fear yeah. of having casualties. The wife might hate me. The kids might hate me. I might lose my bro Dean who I smoke cigars with on Thursdays because I can't make it. Cause I'm building the dream. Well, you know what? That's fucking life. That's how you fucking rise. And there's no I, other way around it. Yeah. There's no other way around it. And the thing is, is I'm fully comfortable with that. Like letting people go who don't, and I'm not trying to sound like a douche. Like I think there's a line where people go, well, I just get rid of people because they don't suit me like a, like a Donald Trump or someone like that, where it's right, like, right, blah, right. Blah, blah. there has to be a real purpose. Like, Right. You are detracting. So during COVID, the one thing I went through a few like personal challenges. And during that time, you have a lot of time to think when you're, when you're in lockdown. So, right. you know, when those first few weeks and it was really like, what's not making me happy right now? Mm-hmm. My personal yeah. happiness has got to be paramount for all this yeah. other work. Absolutely. So that mm-hmm. meant certain family members got cut off. That meant friends were went bye-bye don't need you anymore. Yeah. And it's like, I want to vibrate way higher than you can even establish yourself at the moment. So it's like, Hey, sorry. See ya. Just, I'm not saying treat them like shit. No, but what I am all. saying is, you know, distance yourself, move forward. And hopefully, you know, their evolution kind of kicks in a year later, five years later, 10 years later. I remember I had this friend that I hadn't seen in years and we reconnected on Facebook and we kind of separated at the time because it just wasn't jiving, right? My life was headed this way. His was headed somewhere else. And now here we are 10 years later, equally as close as we were before, just because he, he caught up to me. And it could have very well have been the other scenario. You know, it's not like I was on some trajectory to being awesome and he wasn't. It's just life's timing happens different for everyone. And Ryan, it just yeah. so happened his value came later. 
Yeah, it's divine timing. And the thing is, is you can't you can't fight it. If you do, it just is worse than you would ever imagine. I used to try to fight shit all the fucking time. Like, why did he get it? I didn't. Why did you know? And like when you start doing that, it's like, sorry, not gonna yeah. happen. And I think it happens a lot with musicians. It's like, fuck you, we're not gonna talk about you because you know, or we're going to thank you or whatever, because you're our fucking competition. It's like, if you're that right. petty, that insecure, right. Time to check yeah. your head. It, and, and yeah, that's an absolute fact. It's, it's crazy to see people that don't kind of exercise, you know, that gratitude because oh. like in the music industry, I mean, fucking dudes that are playing guitar and, um, and also kind of using like Twitch and YouTube and stuff yeah. like that. Like at this point, you know that, you know, your bro and some other band is watching you fucking wail and do the stuff you're doing. And if he's not saying like in his interviews for the next record, like, yeah, man, I watched Jason Richardson shred for weeks or Jared Dine shred for yeah. weeks and they made me better. I don't know those guys, so I can't comment on their personalities, but their presence and their output made me better, made my band better. If they're not doing that, showing that gratitude, man, it's, it's not helping anyone. And, and it's such a huge thing to do. And I'm glad to see that in many ways, the ego of at least like the more kind of metal side of things is, is taking a back seat mm -hmm. compared to what it used to. It's really nice to see. It's interesting. You say the gratitude thing, because like on this journey for the past, like seven years I've been on, I got the, really awesome chance to meet Mark Morton because a friend oh, yeah. of mine was, was working with him and I got to spend a few hours with him, which was insane. Mark Morton. Did I hear you right? Yes. From Lamb of God. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was sitting with Mark and, you know, he needed tubes or something. And we were, we drove over to the Mesa boogie store in Hollywood and sitting there with him and we were chatting it up and, you know, what do you do and blah, blah, blah. And, I just, you know, you think of him as this dark brooding individual from like the most brutal fucking metal band in the world. Right. And really in reality, he's probably one of the most positive people you, you, you could meet. And I asked him at day's end after the show was over and everything. I said, I said, what makes you the way you are? Cause I said, you are this guy who is, you know, this amazing guitar player, but you seem like this dark middle dude who just wants his private right. time. And I, and I get that, but I said, where, where do you get the, the gratitude from? Cause he was grateful for everything. Cause he kept yeah. the whole day. Cause I took him to Mesa Boogie Street. He was like, yo man, you saved the show, man. You saved the show. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, it just took you down the street to get tubes, bro. Like not a big deal. But, <laughs> but him and I talked about it and we, we chat every once in a while over Instagram. And he's like, I'm like, you know, it's, it's very inspirational. He goes, because, uh, you know, he goes, I lost quite a bit to see the gratitude and everything was his, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said to me. And I, you know, and I really, I really, from that day on started to go, well, what's good in my life? Cause I never really kind of took like a, a practice and gratitude. Like what's good in my life that kind of makes this life worth living. Because right. You're going to have strife. You're going to have adversity. Like everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, well, how, do you, how do you maintenance it to get through it? And it's, it's so interesting. Like there's, there's so many ways I can go with this because what right. you just encompassed is a very interesting thing because uh, I guess 
when it comes to kind of evaluating our life, right? A lot of people are like, this is what I want. That's what I want. This is what I want. Forgetting to ever say, this is not for me. And this is not for me. And these aren't me. And that's when it really started working for me because it's like, look, all the other things start to show up. Like we mentioned life coaching, right? Right. Like I, I don't even look at myself as a life coach. I got certified simply because people would come to me and ask me questions. And I'm like, shit, I need fucking tools to be able to do this. And life coach is the fucking marketing term. But again, I'm just an encourager. I'm just a motivator. I'm here to help you kick ass. That's it. I don't give a fuck about labels. And that's all life coaching is, is helping others understand what they don't want because that mountain's deep. You know, they're talking to therapists about their depression and their childhood and their issues and all this stuff. Well, the, all the stuff you don't want can stay in that therapist's office. Yeah. And now, as long as you are recognizing what you do want, because it's uncovered by all that, uh, or all that bullshit is, un- is gone and it's uncovered, then you can start focusing on what you do want to do. And um, speaking of Mark Morton, um, I'm, I actually know uh, Randy fairly well. Oh, so good. it's kind of funny how this works. Big, big surfer. Um, big surfer. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, what's interesting is um, I, I met Mark just briefly one time and started following him on, on Instagram. I met mm-hmm. him through Randy. And what I love about Mark is he's not, like me, like I post, you know, a daily post every day for, for me to kind of get my head on straight and know where I'm going. Mark will in his stories, sometimes they're like four or five stories deep talk about today. I'm grateful for my wife, my family. Those are the things I read from him. And I'm just like, dude, Mm -hmm. so on point. And it's like, you know, if I, and I think, I think what people need to realize about being grateful or having a practice of gratitude or having a time in your day where you reflect. Yeah. Um, it's a practice. It's not yep. perfect. It's sometimes really fucking messy. Yeah. And absolutely. it's not always going to be what you want it to be. But the thing is, is you go back every day with that discipline of how am I going to f- not even fix, but how am I going to maintain this? Where's the next self going to be in that? I Right. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, totally. Because people ask me all the time, like, how are you always happy? And fact is, I'm always angry. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, like I'm always fucking angry. Like this world is filled with bullshit. And like, I live in fucking Nicaragua. This is a country where you're faced with, you know, if you see a car accident and you think that shit's going to get cleaned up in 15 minutes, so you don't have to look at it, you're wrong. Yeah. You know, if an animal dies, you know, on, on a farm, that shit isn't getting whisked away for you. So you don't have to see it. If you're going to buy steak, that guy brought that cow in 15 minutes ago. So like you're faced with some real life brutalities and some of that ain't easy to stomach. And I'm angry (laughs) about some of it, you know? And, but uh, you know, and I'm predisposed to that. My dad like fucking woke up angry every day of his life. I, I think he still does to some degree. I do, but that's why I post what I post. And when people say, dude, how are you so happy all the time? I tell them I'm practicing my happiness every day. That post is me practicing happiness. That's me giving something to the world that 
no one has to read. They don't have to like it. They don't have to look at it. I don't expect anything back. I need to say it for me. And I can only assume if there's another 7.5 billion people on this planet, there's at least one other person that needs to see what I've written. Sometimes the likes are low. Sometimes the likes are high. None of that shit matters because that one that got 10 likes, man, that might've connected and saved a life. And that shit is what matters. 10 likes don't fucking matter. That one fucking matters, yeah. you know, and that's what it's all about for me. So how am I always happy? That's how I'm practicing. Just like you said, I'm practicing happiness. I'm practicing gratitude. I'm practicing loving human beings for who they are. Cause I'd love to be like, that's God, a that big guy one. Is, oh, I, I, a big I mean, one. I want to be like, what a, what a stupid motherfucker. Why would you make those dumb Dude. ass decisions? And, and then I have to think, yeah, he's not there yet. Yep. He's not there. And, and there's people that are uh, more uh, evolved than I looking at me like, you stupid ass. What the fuck are you doing? Well, I'm just not there. I'm not there. I'm coming. I'm working on it. I'll see you soon. And we'll fist bump. But I'm not to your level yet. But God damn it. I'm working on it. And be sure I'm going to fucking ask you how you got there because I want to know. And usually good leaders, good people, good human beings are going to grab your hand and lift you up and let you stand next to them. And that's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think if you invest in people, you know, again, it's a messy process, but the thing is, is like you said, if you go, well, why, why this motherfucker get this over me? Or even like, why is, you know, you making such dumb motherfucking decisions. That's what the big phrase that goes to my hands. Like, why are you making dumb motherfucking decisions? Like, stop. Right. Right. You know, like, and I think the thing is, is when you get entangled in that frustration and if you yeah. let it, if you let it fester, then you start finding all the bad and everything. Yeah. And well, not that, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of unbridled positivity. I'm a, I'm a right. fan of growing being positive about it and attracting the right things that aid you in that, in that journey. Cause I think so many people go, well, I have this book now, so I am totally on the path of being awesome. Right. right. Hoping hoping the book's going to cure that situation or this antidepressant or or this situation. You know what I mean? And and kudos to them for making at least one change and picking up the book. I'll give them that, but it takes, putting the book down and then taking some other action. Right. Right. And it's, it's really interesting though, because you said something about uh, failing or trials or, or something like that. I, I apologize. Just a minute ago, you said no, it. I can't and remember. <laughs> I was, I, I was trying to file it so I could, I could speak to this while, while still listening, but uh, it made me think of the fact that like so many people lack the, the vision and confidence, right? Like, because failure you know, like, oh, you said, oh, I made it so many stupid fucking decisions. Why did yeah. I make that stupid fucking decision? Yeah. Well, you know what? I made a zillion of them. A zillion. I can't even tell you. I failed seven businesses, seven businesses before my eighth got me where I wanted to be. Yeah. And, and now I have a ninth and tenth that are in reality, probably even better, less passionate for me. But it's just, it's, it's easy. So I have, I like have to hey man, do it. You, you got to have easy. multiple, you got to have multiple streams of income. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. So it's funny though, because like every time I failed a business, I was never like, oh fuck, that sucked. I was like, Jesus, that was 20 grand or that was 30 grand or that was this, that sucks. But you know what? Now I have 
the knowledge to get that 20 grand four times faster or 10 times faster than I did the first time I earned it. And now I have those lessons. Like I go back, I just finished up, uh, or I guess I'm about, about a third of the way through Andy, uh, 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 fuck beer sack from blackmail brides. Yeah. Uh, he just wrote a book. Right. And I'm okay. like, this 20 something's fucking writing an autobiography. What the fuck's he got to say? You know, because right. like I'm 40 and I don't know it all. Who, who the fuck thinks that they can write a book at 26 and know all the things an autobiography. Right. That's what I thought. And I'm glad I bought it to kind of be like, fuck off Andy black. You don't know shit because actually I was wrong and kudos to that motherfucker because, um, he, he solidified a lot of things in me. And that was that he had vision and he never cared about what people thought. And he also understood that if he just kept showing up, it would happen. And it did. That's a big thing. And that's so huge. That is so huge. And you find that in, you know, if you read about Paul Stanley, if you read about Randy Bly, if you read about whoever in their books, oh, fucking Abe Lincoln, anyone, Roosevelt, that's the thing. They failed at all this shit, but they just showed up anyway. And they're like, look, I'm trying again. Here I am. The guys in Mastodon, they didn't hit it until, until they were in what? Their mid to late thirties. Like, yeah. and they just, that that's, that's what's important. I, you you I think, fuck up, then you show up. You fuck uh, up, then you get up and you yeah. show up again and again and again. I think there's so many successes that were never realized because they quit too soon. Yep. One of my favorite bands. And the reason I started a record label back in the day was a, this band called Freak Label, right? Stupid name. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Corn exists. So if, if, if a corn exists, then a Freak Label can exist, right? Sure. Or Ice Nine Kills or whatever. And these guys were young and hungry and some of the most badass musicians I've ever heard in my whole life. And if you go to YouTube and like, if you like metal, fucking look up Monolith, the Monolith record by that band. Okay. And it, it's, it's fucking unbelievable. It's like if uh, if Van Halen and Pantera like fucking bread, that's what you get. And uh, they, you know, they were this close. They were this close. They got rejected by fucking everybody. So we put out a badass independent record, and this was right around Napster and all that. And it's like, dude, if you guys could have slept on couches for another five years, the technology would have been available to start going direct, and they would have been fucking huge yes. i mean they opened for everybody they played with fucking demi borger and lamb of god and super joint ritual and everybody oh, they geez. were right fucking there dude if you're and, getting shows like that and you're still complaining about where success is and you, you maybe you're comparing yourself to whoever you're opening for and yep you and know day's end i look at it now i manage a 15 year old artist named ej Wright, and you know it's a daily maintenance of things like we ain't selling a million records yet we are going to but we're not yet yeah. mm -hmm. and the, and the thing is is that i know back to your point i show up every day consistency yeah. i know is going to be the key to everything yeah. that is the success of this mm -hmm. for me for yeah. him you know for everyone involved his parents and so when you either phone it in toe dip or any other myriad of shit that you want to call that, it comes to a situation of you're not going to succeed. Right. Just not. Yeah. And that's a fact. You know, that's why I have all the respect in the world for the guy that, you know, gets a, a, a hit record and 
you know, was in an interview and they're like, where do you live? And he's like, uh, on somebody's couch still, you know, I haven't found a place yet. I haven't got right. my check. You know, I, I have all the respect to that because you know, they've been doing it for 10 fucking years like that. Or, yep. or, you know, Sylvester Stallone sleeping in his car with his Rocky script. That's some shit. That's some real ass shit. even better. Most people wouldn't do this. He sold his dog because he needed money. Yeah, I know. Yeah, That's and then crazy. bought the dog back. <laughs> right, right. As he, he should have. As he should have. Yeah. He should have. But you're, you're exactly right. And, and it takes going full in. And it's funny because for me, the way it ended up working out was like my story kind of gets weird. Like uh, I was doing body modification and um, traveling around the world doing cool shit, you know, and, and then uh, just so happens that um, I started getting shit from people that were like, you know, Oh, you're looking like you look, you can't ever, you know, be in uh, the corporate world. So I'm like, Oh fuck that. I'm going to take over corporate. So I started working in the corporate space and then, you know, of course, they got to give, you know, quarterly presentations and all this other bullshit, mm -hmm. right? And having meetings and handshakes. And of course, I have, at the time, early 2000s, this block in a conservative industry, like you look like this, you can't possibly be the guy I talk to on the phone. And then it's like, oh, fuck, you are. And that's what it is. Well, anyway, long story short, those uh, presentations and shit squarely placed me in a position where now I have an audience and I understand and I'm well practiced to kind of turn on my Henry Rollins or my Phil Anselmo or my Tom Araya, right? I can do that now. It's a matter of what's my message and what's my platform. So I released my first book. It sold like ass. And luckily a college bought a fuck ton of them, which saved me from debt. And then I would just go speak to them on every quarter, you know, their class for creative writing. And I wouldn't even talk about the subject of the book, but about writing the book, which was huge. And that kind of gave me the chops. Second book sells relatively well, takes me around the world, helps me do some stuff. And then you mentioned inspiration on demand. That book fucking killed it. It was the first book to my knowledge ever written with the input of social media where people would vote. Like I want this cover. I want, it to be about this. I want it to be called. Oh, that's an it. amazing concept. Yeah. And it, because I'm like, Hey guys, I post these quotes every day. They're yours as much as mine. Tell me what you want this to look like because it's yours and you're going to care. That's extreme ownership and also great leadership right there. Not to quote Jocko Willigs, but you know, I, I, you. I was, I was recently reading his book and, or I, I listened to his podcast too. And his main his main theme that ties all of his brand together is taking extreme ownership yep. and being a good leader and like how mm -hmm. he mutinied against his, you know, commanding officer at the time in the, in the seals, which was like unheard yeah. of. I just heard this last night. So that's why it's fresh on my mind. But the thing is, is that this is the question I have for you out of that is I watch artists. I watch people with business ideas. I watch people with, podcast ideas and there's or, or, or you know app ideas whatever the fuck it is and they're so precious about it in the sense that they're like well this is the greatest thing ever and if you don't fucking agree with me then screw you mm -hmm. and it's like 
do. Like at some point you have to take the opinions of other in consideration to see if there's, if it's even a viable idea. So that to me is amazing in that situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and seriously, like they funded it, everything. And because it was what it was, Fox news brought me out to talk about the book and what I do and shit. And of course that alone was enough to get me booked in like corporate gigs and school gigs sure. and stuff like that. And, and that launched my career and launched my speaking career essentially. And that's, that's after two failed books and a book that, you know, all published by myself and, you know, really, it, it, I mean, it put me in a place where it's like, okay, now do I go be that? And by that, I mean, Tony Robbins, do I go be Jim Rohn? Do I yeah, put do on a build on that brand? But I'm like, fuck no, these people are calling me to do these things. I'm doing it my way. And what's because of my like music and metal background, that's how I approached everything. So we started this manners and motivation tour where I go to schools all over the United States and Canada. And, um, what I would do is, I mean, I put together my fucking track list, you know, for, for like to get me psyched to go out there and kick ass in front of a thousand kids or, you know, 5,000 kids or whatever it is. And I thought, you know, there's no fucking way I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm showing up in a t-shirt in, in jeans or shorts or whatever. And when they're walking in, they're going to hear agnostic front mad ball and black flag (laughs) and slayer and, and hate breed. So I would flip that on and it would play and I would have it at max volume. Like, that I'd get a message from the principal, like, dude, they can hear it in math class on the other end. And I'm like, perfect because they only have 10 minutes left and they're wondering what the fuck is about to happen in this place. Because that's not the college speaker with the pop collar and the, and the fucking polo shirt, the pleated goddamn dockers. Right. Right. And it was interesting because they would walk in and they would sit down and they wouldn't see me and they'd be like, what, and the actual fuck is about to happen. Yeah. And, you know, of course the principal has to talk and introduce me and, you know, give my bio. And the way I addressed that was, cause I wasn't going to walk out there then and just be like, Hey guys, what's up? I'm Josh. Like I made the principal then play like a, a warning, like a, a safety warning that essentially would tell them, you know, and it was kind of funny, but also like, holy shit, because it would say, you know, welcome to your Joshua Coburn experience, you know, strap in, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. You know, if you're going to use your cell phone, feel free to stand up and take selfies and record what you want, but look at the people next to you and do that right now. Stand up and look at the people next to you. And they would. And then I would say, you know, now, now get off your asses and get fucking loud because you're never going to look at those people or yourself again again. after the next 90 minutes. And they would fucking go crazy. And they didn't have a shit idea who I was. And after I get out there, you know, I'd throw t-shirts out and I'd run through the crowd and do all sorts of shit, do my ultimate warrior stick. You know what I mean? Like just go out (laughs) and really give it to them. Right. Right. And then when everything calmed down, it's like I had, you know, 80 or 60 minutes to do my kind of 
uh, Phil Anselmo between songs banter before we launch into like, I'm broken, right? So that's what I do. That's how I started it. That's what I still do. And I did my first billion dollar company not long ago. And to walk into that place, to do that in a fucking t-shirt when everybody is in suits was a goddamn interesting experience. But when I left, I realized two things that that according to them, that was by far the best investment they've ever made and the best reaction they've ever had out of their employees. And number two, I very much undersold myself in terms of dollars and cents to a company that makes billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, kick yourself in the ass for, for not making the, the, the 20 grand you could have for 90 minutes, but instead just being super stoked that you didn't make that. But what you did do is changed everything about how they approach everything. Yeah. I mean that, and that's super important. It's like, how, how is it presented and how are people going to receive it? You know, and, and, right. and in one way you're not going to reach some people and in other ways you'll reach everybody, you know, it, depending on the temperature of the group, I guess. But yeah, my next question to that is when you, when you go out, it's maybe not even a question, but when you go out and, and talk to these kids and talk to people, when you change their lives, change their experience, that's obviously got to make you feel good in a lot of ways. Is that kind of right. fall back onto the practicing your happiness type thing, or is it an act of service for you more so than anything else? Um, it's twofold and, and being completely transparent. Mm-hmm. I am really shitty at self-worth. I am very confident. Oh, I don't go fuck about here. anything, Yeah, but yeah, my self-worth, like, I feel like if I'm wiped off the planet today, nobody gives a fuck tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And true or not, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, sure. point to point to no, absolutely not because of what you just said. You know, I have people that write me from a, a guy wrote me yesterday from New Zealand and it said, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're saving strangers. I saw lives. that. I saw like, that dude. Like that well, how, yeah. And like, I can't even process that. Yet, I, amongst many people in the world, still are like, well, if I die today, I don't mean shit, right? That's what, how do we do that? You know what I mean? It's so crazy that that's how we do that to ourselves. But what, going back to your initial kind of thought or question of, you know, what's this do for me or, you know, what is it? it it's still a way for me to tell my story so people don't feel alone to practice absolute gratitude because those people are allowing me to live my dream. I'm showing up for it. And that's what I meant by my post yesterday with purpose. Like I'm going to give without expectation of receiving anything in return. I'm given everything. I, my whole life, like I said, I've, I've, I've lived bucket list upon bucket list upon bucket list. And it's because all I do is give and I don't expect anything. And when shit shows up, I'm just like, I look at my wife and like, babe, how is this our life? Like, how is this our life? How am I sitting right now, you know, next to our pool overlooking the ocean in fucking Nicaragua? How, how are we here? I'm a small town, dumbass kid from fucking a farm community in the center of Iowa. How the fuck am I here right now living this? Well, it's because my grandmother showed me how to 
take care of people and build people and show gratitude and give. And that's, yeah. that's it period. And, and I think all artists who are tortured, like I'm tortured, like it sounds like you're tortured somewhat. Yeah. Struggle with that, you know, and they're out there, they're given, they're pouring their sweat out. Their freaking fingers are bleeding on their guitars and you know, they're touring and man, touring sounds glamorous, but you know, that is hard fucking work and they're giving every day. But what they're getting back is waves and waves of insane, insane adulation and value. And so many go back for it. Like I get why Motley Crue's final tour didn't end. You know, I know why they're going Rip back. That contract I know why up. Gone out. What's that? <laughs> Rip that contract up. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I get it. Like I get why they do it. Yeah. And it's because not having that, is feeding a hole in them. Like, and, and, and I think that's good. And I also think that's bad because, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, sometimes yeah. it's just feeding a hole in their bank account as well. I, I understand that as well. 100%. I, I mean, I'm sure you and I both know bands where they are there to be a band, but they are not friends outside of that. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I look at, like, if we're going way back, like, talk about bands like Dawkins. Like, oh, I, I love those but like, <laughs> I got a it's great like, story about that. <laughs> oh man. But like, they all hate each other. Then oh, they yeah. love each other. Then they do a show. And then like, now George will go out and like, as long as I can open with my band, I'll do two songs with you as an encore. Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, my buddy Jimmy plays, plays in the newly formed. Well, it's no longer called Lynch Mob. It's just George Lynch. Yep. Um, yep, yep. But I saw Don and George get together for that metal show. And I went to the taping of it. Mm-hmm. It was the same one where Lombardo and Kerry King were there. And uh awesome. and fucking you could just see like Don Dockin picking away at George and George is like, really, we're gonna do this now. <laughs> Crazy. I was just like but, you know, Dude. but but I mean, you know, sometimes that's how the creative dynamic works. You need strife yeah. or friction for things to move, for fire to start, yeah. for things to inspire. I, I think that, you know, I go back, I go back to being you or being authentic to yourself. I was going to a client's house one time and I needed him to sign some paperwork. And he had a friend of his there who was looking for advice. And he was also a musician and I'm, it's literally like a rainy day in LA and I'm just working from home. So I'm not really in the suit, the tie, the whole, whole fucking nine. Right. And I look at this guy, he goes, he goes, he goes, yeah, this is, my buddy goes, yeah, this is my money guy, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And I'm wearing a Slayer t-shirt. Perfect. Perfect. It's the way you should start every conversation. Wear a Slayer t-shirt. Yeah. And, you know, he goes, like the guy looks at me and goes, do you really a financial advisor? I go, and I closed him like, because I was authentic to myself. And I I think that's so super important to so many things, you know? Yeah. Authenticity, man, is the key to everything. Like we talked way back, not giving a flying fuck about what anyone thinks is the beginning of a freedom that I don't think many people understand. Like, Um, I know that until I did that, there was, there was a lot of, you know, for lack of a better word, bondage to myself of like, not really being able to express myself, being fully frustrated, afraid of accomplishing things. The fear of fear of success, dude, is is far greater than the fear of failure, I think, in a lot of ways. I am oh, I yeah. failure like it's my bitch. 
Yeah. And like, I, I, I want things to go wrong. So we know what to do, what is right. I think most right. people get into failing situations and they just walk away from stuff. And that, that's it. Yeah. That's all you see, have. See, and it's, it's funny because like, I don't ever look at situations like, um, in, in terms of maybe success or failure, because for me, there's the end goal yeah. and there's everything in between. Yeah, and steps I know, along the way. I, yeah, I know I'm getting to the end goal. My timeline, maybe X, we might not hit the timeline. We might be ahead of it. We might be way past that, but I'm going to get it. And it might be because of challenges, because of failures, because of missteps. But to your point, I now know when I do this again, I'm, I'm doing it twice as fast for, for myself, for someone else. And we're going to be bigger. We're going to be better. And it's going to be great. Like I, uh, I launched a book um, in 2018 and I told myself because inspiration on demand was decided by everyone else. Right. And I told myself when I release shit that needs said, so you can kick all the ass. I told myself, I'm not going to care what anyone thinks about this in terms of package and design or any of that. The words I know work, they're tested, they're proven, it's been done. But I put it together like an old school fanzine, like a, it's got a slip cover, it's got this whole thing. And I wanted it to be like a Bible. So you remember the Bibles that people would give you on the street corner with like the plastic cover and the gold oh, yeah. paper silver? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And people the are like, Gideons. <laughs> what's that? The Gideons. Yeah, exactly. When you're like, exactly. in, when you're like in your hotel room and you open up the, the end table and it's like, yeah, <laughs> the Gideons. placed by the Gideons. But that's exactly what I wanted because I wanted it to be like the Bible of badassery. So people would be like, I need something. And they'd open it up and then they'd read a passage and they'd be like, fuck, yes, I'm going. So that way it's, it, it created that action instead of making them sit and read, you know, pages and pages. It's these kind of spots where, I mean, my Instagram's that way, right? You go to yeah. my Instagram and if, if you're having a shit day, you open it up, fucking scroll, put your finger on something and you're going to be like, fuck yes. Okay. I know where I'm headed. Let's go take action and let's kick ass. And that's, and that's the whole point. And that's what I love about your post. And also check him, you know, check Joshua out at Joshua Coburn and at JoshuaCoburn.com is Instagram at Joshua Coburn, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can so find me on, on everything. The TikToks, the Twitters, but, the Facebook. But I want to con- but stuff. I want to continue this just in, yeah, I just want to give the plug real quick. But yes, you know, if you do go on your page, the way I found you was funny. Like Gary Holt had reposted one of your posts. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, and I love watching Gary. Gary's funny, dude. And and, and if you ever, if you've met him, he's, he's pretty funny, yeah. dude. Yeah, I met, I've met Gary a few times. Yeah. So, like, I remember going to my first backstage Slayer show, like, a few years ago. And, like, and, and him standing right next to him in the hallway amongst, like, you know, because it's L.A. It's, like, everybody comes out of the woodwork for that. Right. Right. And so, like, it's John Tempesta standing there. And then there's, you know, all these different people. Regardless you know, Gary, Gary's site is, is freaking hilarious as well. His Instagram, <laughs> check it out. But that's how I found you is through, through Gary Holt. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, it's, it's crazy. Um, 
to have guys like Gary, like, cause that post that Gary did, mm-hmm. like, it was just a one liner shout out, yep. you know? And he didn't have to fucking do that. Like I said, I'm just some doucher from central Iowa. Like that's all I am. Yep. And he, he had no reason to do that. He had no idea that, you know, when I was 14, I was sitting in my room, hating my life, you know, uh, jamming out to the toxic waltz, you know, I mean, like listening to fabulous disaster, dude, that record, that record is amazing, dude, front to back. It is absolutely Asian hells on that one. Dude. It's fucking uh, great yeah. record. Dude. Great yeah, record. It is. And, and it's funny because, you know, he, he doesn't know that we never had that conversation when I met him and yet However, it turned out we ended up following each other. I followed him on Instagram. I have no idea how he ended up following me. We, we do have mutual friends in the touring business. So I know that's probably how it all happened. But, you know, he didn't have to do that years after I met him. Sure. So that tells me too, like, and Gary's had a, a pretty good windfall of, uh, I guess, what most people would call good luck. And in that post, he was practicing gratitude. And that showed me a lot about the work that Gary's done on a personal level over the last, you know, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 years, because he's doing it and he's successful in a place that he loves in bands that he loves doing what he loves. And now he's got a a happy wife and a family and all this stuff. And it's so cool to see that from a dude that's writing, you know, the things that he writes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there's, you know, it's, I, I think there's the semantics of what you write versus sometimes the human being you are. Cause I feel like artists yeah. definitely observe and their job is to report. Yep. Yep. You I'm know, with you. And no, no, go ahead. Oh, what happened? You there? You kind of broke up a little bit. Oh there. yeah, what you do too. I said that. I said that, you know, I feel like it's the artist's job to report. There's always yeah. the persona of you as the artist versus what you are as a person sometimes. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's always interesting too, because I go back to like the eighties and, you know, all the, the uh, PMRC and all that stuff oh, and God. how, yeah. you know, I, I obviously, yeah. Well, so, yeah, I was a little late, you know, I was born in 1981. I was so probably, I was yeah, I was born in 74. So like, so like when I was 12, 13, 14 um, and I had Iron Maiden posters on the wall, my mom was like, Hmm, you know, because right. she heard, heard about Tipper Gore and her dumb shit. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because I was, I mean, I was obviously listening to, I started out glam, you know, Motley Crue was like my, oh, yeah. my intro to things and then of course you know metallica one of the first, of the I, first heavy albums i ever got was shout at the devil dude and and still they're probably their paramount moment uh, musically in my opinion oh i mean holy one of the shit best. one of the best yeah, albums. i mean i was too young for livewire or uh, too fast for love right but i was but got into it later but dude like when looks the kill came out on mtv like i'm in yeah. bro well, and, and it's funny, we're, 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 we're kind of crossing streams of 80s metal in a way that most at the time wouldn't allow, right? Because you can't like Slayer and Twisted Sister at the same time, or you can't like Black Flag and Minor Threat and yeah. Love Dawkins. But, uh, but what's funny is now, as you see all those dudes that are older, it's really funny because you, you see that... Uh, what what oh okay. yeah I see it. <laughs> yeah and, and and like i mean it's just it's insane that now you see those 
people, the human beings yeah. start to coalesce, right? You see yeah. George Lintz, you know, talking to the guys from Slayer and stuff yeah. like that, or, or uh, like uh, Randy out with Nikki Six taking photos. And it's, it's so funny. Yeah, because, because they're like, both, yeah, people don't realize there's like common interests of photogging, you know, together. Yeah, exactly. So, the point, go ahead. Back to the point about Gary and just to this point in general is like, what's great about social media is, is it allows us to show ourselves to be human. And there's not this holier than thou that I think image people put on celebrity right. or fame or, or Provence on importance or, or whatever right. it is. And I, and what's beautiful about like Gary liking your post, granted it reaches more people. Now it's an act of service. It's not just even gratitude. He's providing right. a resource to someone else. Right. I mean, that might be a little far-fetched, but I mean, I feel that like, no. but in the very like behind the scenes, if you look at it, if you don't look at it on its face, that's what's really going on. Yeah. And, and, and I look at it like that because he's allowed me to reach you. We wouldn't yeah. be sitting here if it we wasn't for Gary Holt sitting in the Guitar Bay player, area. Slayer and Exodus, you know? Yeah. Like nuts, right? Like it's yeah. just fucking. And, and that's, yeah, that's what I do love about social media. The other piece of that that I hate is will we ever have the rock God again? You know, Ooh. I mean, who, cause we think about things like, I mean, you hear, you know, Lamb of God was on the, on the last Slayer tour, right? They yep. did like the whole thing almost. And it's like, you know, are you the next Slayer? And it's like, well, or behemoth or whoever. It's like, are you the next Testament? And it's like, well, no, because they're the only Lamb of God or the only behemoth. Are we going to have bands, though, that are transcendent at that level? And the last few that have been that are Slipknot because they, I mean, they, they rose quickly and have upheld that. And I still to this day can't believe it, but Corn is there. Yep. Disturbed is there. How? I don't know. Uh, and and Five Finger Death Punch, like, I'm, I am not a fan of their music at all, but those dudes, every one of them that I've run across are absolutely humble, genuine, amazing, wonderful guys. And everything they're doing, I mean, they work their ass off. They deserve everything they're getting. Sure. And like those guys are, those are, I mean, they're the ones filling arenas. Are they the next Metallicas and Slayers? Well, it certainly appears that way, right? Mm -hmm. So, but are we going to have the rock star? You know, are we going to have the, the um, Jimmy Pages and the Robert Plants that are untouchable it, and great? Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley's. It, it's a very, that's a, you know, that's a question I wrestle with all the time because mm -hmm. you are looking at a situation where there was no YouTube. And I'm not putting the blame on YouTube, but say yep. like a resource like YouTube. Where, you know, I remember learning guitar as a kid is like, mm, there was no one doing playthrough videos or you had right them, or whatever. And not everybody yep. had their songbook. Yeah. So like, I think, because I mean, in my opinion, I think because the game has changed, it's a different story. Now, do you have those guys who are, are transcending like the Tosin and Abbasis of the world? You know, he's right. the closest thing I think you could say revolutionary wise since Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, I agree. You know, or, or since Dime or, or whatever. 
right? Um, just because of how he's changed how people play guitar. Now, is it one lane? Yeah, it's one lane. You're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna cover an audience like a Page or a Van Halen with him, right? Right. Because he's just too he's too fucking out there. I right. love animals as leaders. I mean, I'm a huge fan, but but I think like if you you look at that situation, it's like, do we, you know, is some, you know, and there's kids out there you see on Instagram, like Peter's diary is, is one of those things. He's a kid with, yes. You know, Peter's diary. Yeah. I'm very familiar. So that's one kid who can just shred all day long. You know, could he be the next thing if he broke out? Joe Bonamassa might be your next choice, but he's more like a Clapton, you know? Right. Great in his own right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, how does that get framed? I guess, you know, maybe it's more attitude than anything else. Do we find a guy who's not, or a band of fellas who are not, are these unique personalities like the Abbott brothers were, or like Pantera yeah. was. Everyone yeah, had a very individualized personality in that band. So you had a band that played very brutal fucking heavy music, but really was like Van Halen in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. Played out the same way too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? It's yeah, it's interesting to put it in those terms as well, because attitude, especially in music, goes a long way. You know, I mean, you have uh, well, I mean, look at look at like what punk did. You know, you have you have legends, right? You have your your Joey Ramones and your your um, Johnny Rottens or John Lydons, right? Those are legends in that world. And then you have Robert Plant and you have, you know, those types of legends and Eddie Van Halen. Are they different legends? Yes. Are they equal legends? Well, in in my eyes, they are in record sales numbers and and concert attendance numbers. Are they? Hell no, no, not even like they're not even in the same fucking world. So that's kind of how I look at it in terms Mm -hmm. of like the next true untouchable rock star kind of, vibing individuals are the ones who carry that attitude. And as much as I hate to say it, guys like machine gun Kelly, they're, they're doing it. He's a rock star. Yeah. He's yeah, doing he's it. A fucking rock star. He's doing and it. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of what he does, but I get it. And yeah. I, I, there is no, you know, is, is that the generation that, that go, is it that the generation that goes next? Because like when I work with, uh, EJ, our artists, we're in the studio. We're working with a lot of these pop producers. I mean, songs are done in four hours, basically rough vocals. Come back to yeah, wow. finish it off. Crazy. That's how quick we're turning songs around now. Not that that's we were it years ago, but like, right. but that's how the market has gone. It's like, there's no yeah. time to kind of cultivate or create. It's like, you have to have it out now or you're done tomorrow. Right. Which, you know, I think is good. But then you have bands that are out there, um, kind of doing it their way that, uh, or rather ripping off Led Zeppelin in some ways, like, uh, Oh, help me here. Oh, you're uh, talking I, about, uh, Greta, Greta Van Fleet. You there? Yeah. 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 Greta. And, is it Greta, like, is it Greta Van Fleet you were thinking of? Yes. Greta Van, okay. Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. And like, you know, they them or, or Mastodon or the sword yeah. or, Bands like that who are taking time to create these great records that are timeless. I mean, and 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 I don't. I'm not a big Greta Van Fleet guy, but I get it. I get what they're doing. Or if if you go back the ways, and I hate that they're not together anymore. But a band like Scorpion Child, did you remember that? Oh yeah, are you aware? Sure. Like 
those guys, man, Aaron from that band, like he had it. He yeah. had that that thing, you know, and or Lucifer, like they they kind of are there. And you know what's interesting? It's like I'm about to go see Guns N' Roses here in a few weeks. Awesome, yeah. And um Wolfgang Van Halen's a, you know, EVH or uh, Mammoth, yeah. Mammoth Mammoth WVH is 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 opening. Right. And you know, I think everyone's discounting that kid. Yeah. Because I've listened to the album and he one has the musical chops of his dad, the the and everything, but he's not flashy like his dad was. And I think right. I think everybody's underestimating him, and I think everybody should should get ready for what he's about to do. I, I think it's I think he's going to be something in a big way. Yeah, I I I'm I'm torn about it. I agree with you. Same. I am. I'm very uh, torn because I'm a, a fan of his father's all day long, and it's not Van Halen. It's Wolfgang Van Halen. And yeah. you know what? Good for you, dude. Don't be a shithead yeah. and and try to you know. And, you know, but he was never going to do that anyway, nor was his father. Right. That. And, and, and he's been awesome in the press, like all class done really yep. well with the death of his father and the bullshit that comes with that. And he's been all class. Yeah. All the respect. I have not had a chance to dive into the album. I heard a couple of the singles that were good. You know, I mean, yeah. I can't do that. So good. And, but what's interesting to me is, okay, now you're, going to be exposed to an audience of this size in front of this band, not doing Van Halen. What does that mean? And what does that look that like? Shit, yeah. <laughs> that shit's got to be earned. Yeah. And if he's not willing to earn it, and I mean, kid isn't in the best shape in the world, you know, which is fine. But you know, if, if you're coming out there to give an intense, awesome show that isn't shoegaze folk or grunge or something, then what, what are you bringing? And I'm curious. I want to see because uh, I think I'll, I will report back after the August 19th. Yeah, please. Josh, please, Josh, please. Joshua, this has been amazing, man, uh, to hang out with you. Uh, last two, three minutes. What do you got yeah. going, going on uh, besides being the absolute badass you are? <laughs> Thank you. You know what? Uh, just moved down here to Nicaragua about uh, 90 days ago. Awesome. Feeling all that out. Um, put all my books on hold because obviously there's no shipping. There's nothing from here. There's no like groundwork for mail and things in countries like this for people that aren't aware. So I can't exactly just go to the mailbox and send stuff out when people right. order. So my next kind of uh, real push, I, I have a couple books in the can, so we'll get there. But the goal is to, re-release uh, different things on various anniversaries as we do and do that to coincide with new release books. Uh, one with my wife, one on my own. And then um, honestly, I feel like at this point, it's my job to live out the rest of my life kind of sharing how to get where the fuck you want to go. Yeah. That's the fulfilling peace left in me mm. like i did all the stuff i don't have a desire to go do all the stuff anymore because sure. i did it but there are millions of people that do have that desire yep. i have the key if you want to put them in the ignition let's fucking drive let's yep. go wherever you want let's go i will help your ass get there and that's it 
Like, I just want to give that to people so they can be 40 or 50 or 65 and not look back and be like, God, what did I do with my life? So they can be like, look, like there's a Mark Twain quote about, you know, being a dude who uh, basically, if you fear death, it's because you haven't lived enough. And I want to do that. I want to take the fear of death out of people because they've done all the fucking things because they've said the things they need to say to people. They've told their wives and girlfriends and lovers and fathers and mothers, how much they care about them and gave hugs to their friends that needed those hugs and told them how much they fucking matter and really understand that life isn't about, you know, getting to the end of it. It's about living it to its fullest. And that's, that's truly what I'm here for. Amazing. And you're doing it. Yeah, Josh, man. So, so awesome to have you on today. And, uh, we're going to have to have you back. I feel like we could go for another three hours. Dude, if, if we're talking <laughs> metal and personal growth, like I'm absolutely into that. We, like we didn't even touch on all the greats, like, you know, like death and testament, oh, and, like all these other. I'm going to have, I'm going to have you back for another episode. And we're going to do nothing but a metal episode because yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Cool. Um, cool. Thank you, know, you. Thanks for taking the time out today with be with us. And, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see you soon, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you so